Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, uh, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan. I'm honored to uh, host the podcast today. It's Easter, and, and people around the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Uh, Pastor Christian, uh, obviously, we've had tremendous uh, Easter services, and you know, the resurrection is the the pinnacle of the Christian faith. What we believe rests on this truth. Uh, even Paul. As he referenced in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen, he said, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. It was really, it's a, it's a great and fascinating piece of scripture. Uh, there's a tremendous evidence, there is tremendous evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Can you kind of help teach and, and point some people who are listening, maybe some ways they can bolster their confidence in the evidence, the truth of the resurrection. Yeah, so I would say this first. So you said we've had an incredible Easter. I hope I hope that's prophetic because we're recording this um, before Easter. <laughs> but it is e- yeah, yeah, it is Easter week, and um, we we pray that we do a good job celebrating the resurrection and and what it means in the life of people. We're we're in John twenty one uh, for our nine Easter services, just talking about really listening in on Jesus' conversation with Peter. And seeing what it meant for for him, and seeing what it meant for us, um, and how how it can impact us two thousand years later. Um, evidence for the resurrection. I, I would say this first. Hebrews chapter eleven says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, but that God rewards those who have faith. I cannot prove that Jesus rose from the dead. It takes faith to believe that. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. With my own eyes, um, I probably have more Thomas in me, uh, a little bit of Mary Magdalene in me, and that the uh, the empty tomb without seeing Jesus probably causes me a little heartache. Where did he go? Where'd you take him? Thomas saying, I'd have to see it for myself. I mean, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet and see the spear, uh, where the spear went in his side, it'd be a, a tough thing for me to believe. You know, Jesus told Thomas, you know, blessed are you because you see and believe, but blessed are people who don't see and believe. Ryan, we've not seen, but by faith we have chosen to believe. Now, that doesn't mean there's not good, credible, reasoned um, reasons why why we believe that um you say what you know what are what are some of the evidences what are what are some of the things that allow us to have faith but not blind faith um one you've got you've got at least four eyewitness accounts um that are written with you know with, written within the generation that Jesus did this um in Matthew Mark and John Luke was not an eyewitness but he said I talked to lots of eyewitnesses um, so you would say the book of Luke claims to be an eyewitness account. So you got four eyewitness accounts. And then you have the apostle Paul who would have, who would have somehow been around this event happening, um, who was a Pharisee named Saul, who also claimed. So you, you've got, you've got, you've got historical, biographical, written information within the generation that it happens saying that it happens. And if that's how history is recorded, if history is, is recorded um, by people writing things down, saying, hey, this is what I saw. And even in a court of law today, if two or three witnesses of something 
say they saw the same thing, um, a lot of times you think that probably happened. So, you, you know, you look at you look at the resurrection, and you have to have faith, but not blind faith, because you've got eyewitnesses who who said that it happened. The the Apostle Paul in the First Corinthians fifteen text that you stated said like at one point over five hundred at once who were gathered with Jesus after he rose from the dead. So you have that. You have you have Jesus saying that he would be crucified and that he would raise from the dead. So I mean he he technically called his own shot and then he did it. In his closest band of followers, it's interesting the word that we use for witness in uh, in the English language, in the Greek language, uh, is the word we get the word martyr from. They were so confident that he had risen from the dead, proving that he was uh, God's Messiah, that they were all willing to give to give their life um, for the for the truth of the gospel. When they were told, "Listen, stop saying he rose from the dead, and we'll let you live," they said, "We can't do that because it's." Not true. He did raise from the dead. So, I mean, the, the, the entire early church hinged on this belief and this hope that Jesus rose from the dead. Even Jesus himself, a few weeks before um, his resurrection, knew that it would be important to people to prove he had power over death. So he, in a sense, in the sovereignty of God, he let his friend Lazarus die so he could prove he could raise dead things from the grave. And he prayed, Lord, like, I always knew I could do this, and you've known I could do this, and gosh, poor Lazarus had to be the, the, uh, guinea pig. the, yeah, the guinea pig, the beta test, and Mary and Martha had a really tough four days, but I'm doing this so the world knows that we have power over death. So there's lots of, there's lots of evidence, historical evidence, um, even in Roman literature, extra biblical literature, so written history that's not recorded in the Bible, where people are talking about a group of people who who follow um, a man that they say was crucified and and raised from the dead. So, real clear historical evidence that all of Jesus' early followers believed he died and rose again, and that's because those closest to him said we were eyewitnesses. Uh, we saw it. We experienced it. And, and we're we're willing to die. We're willing to die for the for the facts that that we believe in. That's how that's how powerfully um, we believe in it. And the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians fifteen, when he said, "If you know, if the resurrection didn't happen," he said, "People should feel sorry for Christians." And and really, that's not because they've been fed a lie, but because they still haven't figured out a way to be forgiven and right with God. What the Apostle Paul was saying is, if the resurrection didn't happen, not um, feel sorry for Christians because that means they won't raise. He said, if the crucifixion and resurrection never happened, you need to feel sorry for Christians because they they are people who want to connect with God who have still not figured out how to make that happen. But if Jesus really died for their sins and really raised from the dead, not only have they figured out how to be forgiven of their sins, they've been guaranteed that one day they will raise and be with him too. So that's the celebration of Easter. Not that one day we'll live forever, but that we can right now be connected to God because our sins have been paid for with hope that one day we'll be with Jesus in eternity. Um, and for those of us who live 2000 years after the fact, can't prove it, but we have to, we have to, we have to trust the history, just like we trust the history in so many other places. Like, I guess I, there's not a lot I could prove about Rome 2,000 years ago, but I can go see like the Roman Colosseum and I can go see Roman coins in a museum and 
I can go to the Israeli museum and I can see that they crucified people in the first century. And I can see that people like Pontius Pilate um, and Caiaphas, the high priest at the time who wanted him crucified, and the Roman governor at the time who said he would have to be crucified. Like, these are all real people, real places. Archaeology says they existed when the Bible says they existed. We know they killed people. Like, like every everything else is true. Everything else is like historically accurate, true. So we take the eyewitness, we take the eyewitness testimony that um, all these people really did condemn him to die. He did, and then he rose from the dead. And we are we are basing our lot. We're giving our entire lives for for that truth because it's the way people connect to God, and one day we'll be with God. It's good, uh, great evidence, and appreciate your. Your answer going back to, to scripture and in a book I read years ago uh, by Lee Strobel, right? Case for Christ. He interviews mm-hmm. Dr. Gary Habermas, who's much of his life work has been uh, digging. One of in. my college professors, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tremendous. Love Dr. Habermas. I mean, he yep. is a specialist in the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. So, yep. uh, it would be a great resource if you're looking to just dig more and, and kind of take what Pastor Christian said and, and, and continue to go even deeper. You know, you you said you unpacked uh, John twenty one, right? As you read it and began to to really unpack John twenty one in your message, you read verses six and seven, where Jesus had not yet revealed Himself uh, to the to the disciples after His uh, resurrection. Yet He uh, He tells them uh, He meets them on the Sea of Galilee there on the on the side. They don't know who it is. They see Him. He says, "Cast your nets on the right side of the boat," and they catch so many fish that they're they're unable to haul in the net. And this, of course, triggers something in their mind because of what had happened previously, uh, when before he had died. This finally triggers their memory, and they realize it's the Lord. And, and since Peter had gone back to fishing, it was evident he had forgotten what Jesus had said. He had forgotten what Jesus had done in his ministry. Uh, why, why do we in our human nature, like Peter, struggle in our faith so often because, man, we've forgotten what God has done for us? Yeah, so so just to um, clean up the premise a little bit. So on the it was a little messy. Yeah. So <laughs> so on that morning, they did not recognize Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. But John twenty one said it was the third time he'd appeared to him. So they knew he was alive. They'd been with him. They'd spent time with him. They were out fishing. They did they did not understand. And I showed a picture um, Easter weekend of the Sea of Galilee at sunrise. One of the most beautiful places you can be as the sun kind of peaks over the Golan Heights. But it would have been difficult kind of in the early mist of the morning from a hundred yards away to see who people were. Um, but they knew Jesus was alive. They had spent time with the resurrected Jesus. But yeah, they were out fishing again, led, led by Peter, who's back in his region of the country back doing his old job. Um, he had been a fisherman, like that was his life. He was called out of a life of fishing uh, when Jesus said, you're going to fish, but for men. And now he was fishing, and he was fishing for fish again with a bunch of other guys who used to be fishermen who had been called out of that industry as well. So we know because of what they were doing and when they were doing it. They spent all night fishing. Um, like this was not a camping trip. They were not fishing with poles. So this was not recreational. They were fishing with nets capable of catching hundreds of fish. They were working. They were, they were working for a living. You could say they had gone back to their old jobs. 
Now, it, it wasn't because they thought Jesus was dead, but it could be that the Apostle Peter thought that his call was dead because he had failed Jesus miserably. Matter of fact, the last time we know that they had an intimate conversation, we covered this in the Easter message. Um, Peter, big and brash, as he always was, when Jesus says, y'all are going to deny me, um, Peter like stands ne- right next to Jesus and is like, yeah, y'all are going to deny him. And Jesus is like, no, you too. And Peter's like, nope. These fools? Probably. Because I, Jesus, I've been watching them just like you have, and I don't think much of any of them. But I got your back. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, before the rooster crows, so before the sun comes up, it's an analogy, before the sun comes up, um, you're going to have denied that you that you know me three times. And Peter's like, no, ne- never. If they do, I, I kind of expect it, but no way from me. And then he does, and scripture records that he's in a courtyard, not understanding that Jesus is behind him. When he swears an oath, God, kill me if I'm lying. I've never met this guy. I'm not one of his followers, not knowing that Jesus is behind him and can hear him. There's nothing more embarrassing than talking about someone when they're standing right behind you. And he is. And it says, as soon as he said that, the rooster crows, he remembers the words of Jesus. He turns and he locks eyes with Jesus, and he's like... I have totally, after my tremendous boast, I've had tremendous failure. And we think he probably thinks he's out. So the mission of Jesus is continuing, absolutely. But can he still be a missionary for Jesus? He's convinced in his mind, no. Probably because over three years he has built some of his faith on the premise that, like, Jesus needs me. Um, and he probably picked pretty, like, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, and again, he thinks he clearly thinks he's better than all the others. Like, I don't know how Jesus can use them, but I think he's got a pretty good shot with me. And then he totally blows it. And he thinks, he thinks incorrectly that probably because my call from Jesus is based on my obedience to Jesus, I'm out. So he goes, so he goes back to work and then Jesus calls him to the shore and says, all right, listen, um, this was never really about your love for me. It was about my love for you. However, my love for you and for humanity compels me to call you again. Like, let's go. Like, you are not called to catch fish. You are called to catch men and women for the sake of the gospel. So let's go again. Why do we like the Apostle Peter? Why does human nature struggle in faith to forget what God has done for us? I think because in Christianity... And probably specifically in Western Christianity. So if we were to go way back in church history, and we shouldn't on this podcast, but there was a great schism in church history in 1054 AD between the Church of Jesus, which had always been the Church of Jesus, which broke off into an Eastern Church and a Western Church. The Eastern Church ended up being called the Eastern Orthodox Church. You can still go to Eastern Orthodox churches today. The Western Church became the Roman Catholic Church, which 500 years later would have another fracture and break off from the Protestant Church uh, and, and the Catholic Church. But the Western side of that church got real works-oriented in what kind of you had to do to hold up your end of the bargain with Jesus, and that has spilled over now a thousand years later into American Christianity, where we think, we see our relationship with God based as a partnership. Um, 
he upholds his end of the deal. We uphold our end of the deal and everything kind of works out okay. And Ryan, we can't hold up our end of the deal. It's chasing perfection and it's impossible. And I think we think when we fail, we're out. Or if we fail, God's probably going to fail too. It's just not going to work. And we don't realize like there's only one person who holds up his side of the deal. It's God through his son, Jesus on the cross. And our job is to be obedient. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to be humble. We talked about how God can use a humble person more than he can a strong person. And we said humility probably has far deeper impact and far greater impact than anything else. And I think it, it is, it's because we struggle with this humility part of, my gosh, I have failed again, yet God still wants to use me, that we struggle like Jacob to limp through life. Like we want to be a sprinter, and if we're a sprinter, we'll run for Jesus. But if we're a limper, it's like, we don't really want to limp for Jesus. But that is when we are in our, in our most powerful ministry posture. When we limp into a situation, do our very, very best, and we remember precisely what God has done for us that we cannot do for him. And we realize that we're, we're not partners in the gospel. Um, we are servants of God in the gospel. And I think Peter struggled because Peter thought I failed, so I'm out. And she said, never was about your success or failure. It was about mine and my call on your life. And I think so many uh, people in Western Christianity, it's not that they fail to remember who God is or what God did, but we are so aware of our own sin and imperfection and our own inability to hold up our end of the bargain that we just think, when I hear what Jesus is asking of me, and from experience I know I can't do it, I either have to daily admit that I'm a failure and daily admit that I need His grace, or I'm just going to go fishing. And Peter went fishing until Jesus kind of shook his soul a little bit and said, all right, let's, let's get back in this. And then you would hear him and all the preachers of the first century church continually talk about grace, continually talk about faith, continually talk about forgiveness, continually talk about the righteousness of Jesus, not the righteousness of self that allows us to have this daily moment by moment walk in relationship with Jesus. And we need to be in his word to remind us of those promises. We need to be in prayer to remind us of his faithfulness, um, Otherwise, yeah, it is in our human nature to doubt. Yeah. yeah, just like just like Peter could not have gotten to where he got to. Um, if you listen to the podcast and you hear weird noises, it's because they're walking on the roof above us um, <laughs> as they do construction. We're going to keep talking, though. Um, Peter could not have reengaged spiritually without a conversation with Jesus, without spending time with Jesus. And neither can we. When we fail... We got to get back in church. We got to get back in small group. We got to get back in quiet time. We got to get back in prayer because without those intimate moments with Jesus, we never realize that we have um, forgiveness for sin and we have a continued call on our life to, to keep running. You know, it kind of kind of goes into our next question. The text talks about a conversation between Jesus and Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. You've been talking about that. I think many people are afraid to have a conversation with Jesus because they, like Peter, yeah. think that they shouldn't even that, that Jesus shouldn't even like them, let alone truly love them. You know, Peter had failed Jesus, right? Denying him. You you, you talked about that. Uh, can you speak to the person today who who says, I failed Jesus, so there's no way he can love me anymore. Yeah, so I, I would I would say this. Um, Jesus' love for you was never based on you not being a failure. 
And you, I mean, like every Christian should have Romans 5, 8 in the Rolodex of their mind. Like while you were a sinner, Jesus decided he loved you. And I mean, I had a college professor. So I, so I grew up in a faith tradition. Um, I grew up in a faith tradition that, that believed you could lose your salvation. And man, it's, it's probably, I should not even bring up this conversation on a podcast because there's so many different directions and deep theology that goes into this conversation. A conversation about losing your salvation is really much more conversation about what you believe about how a person is saved rather than um, whether or not they, they keep their salvation. But I, I was raised in a faith tradition that's, that, that kind of taught me you have to earn what you have spiritually. You got to earn what you have spiritually. And I spent a lot of time in Bible college and and in seminary with professors trying to understand soteriology, which is the 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 study, the biblical study of salvation, how someone is saved. And the and there's and there's just no there's no nobody who believes the Bible and knows the Bible who believes that salvation is not the free gift of God. Like like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, you are saved by grace through faith. It is the free gift of God, so no one can boast. So no serious theologian believes you have to earn your salvation. Some believe you have to keep your salvation for, for one reason or another. Um, I, I believe if somebody really surrenders their heart to Christ, that the Holy Spirit uh, will walk with them. And I, I believe... That because you you cannot earn your salvation, you cannot lose your salvation. But one of the illustrations that a, that a professor gave to me as we talked through this situation, because I mean it took years of deep Bible study and discussion with really deep professors for me to un, for me to understand more about salvation. Um, so so one day one of them um, hands me a, a hundred dollar bill, takes it out of his wallet, hands me a hundred dollar bill. So see here's a here's a gift for you. You're a poor college kid. Here's a gift for you. So that's awesome. Um, and, and we kind of talk through, you know, our time. And as I leave, um, he says, now, if you don't mow my yard every week the next month, I'm going to need you to give a hundred dollars back. And I said, what? And he said, I, I, I gave you a hundred dollars. It was a gift. Um, but if now, like, if you don't work for it, you're going to have to give it back. And I said, I like, I didn't like, I didn't understand you were paying me to do something. And he said, but that's how you treat salvation. You have been with your faith background. You've been acting like Jesus gave you a gift and then said, if you don't perform your duties, you have to give the gift back. It's either a gift or like, or it's, or it's not a gift. Um, now if, if you want to, because of the way I've gifted you as a response to that, but not a responsibility as a response to that, if, you're more aware of me now and you love me and you want to help me and you, you want to, you want to live more for me than just for yourself. Hey, that's great. But the, like the money's yours. Keep it. But basically what he was saying is, um, you don't have to work for a gift. And if you have to work for it, it's not a gift. And salvation is a free gift from God. While you were a failure, Jesus decided he was going to give it to you. So why, after he gave it to you, would he say, now if you fail, I take it back. Like, that's just a trick of the devil. Like, we got to remember, the first piece of spiritual armor is the belt of truth. So every time we th- we think, Man, if I don't, perf- if I fail, Jesus can't love me. If I fail, Jesus can't love me. 
You have to go back to Romans 5, 8 and say, wait a minute. When I was a failure, he proved that he loved me. So that thought in my head can't even be true that if I fail now, he doesn't love me because the truth says that while I was a failure, he proved that he loved me. So this can't even be true that if I fail, Jesus can't love me anymore. Yet that's what the apostle Peter thought, right? It appears in John 21, guess I got to go fishing. God can't use me anymore. And that's what so many of us think. And it's where we've, we, it's, it's why we've got to study the word. It's why we've got to know the word. It's why we've got to understand grace. It's why we've got to understand forgiveness. It's why we've got to understand salvation. Because we don't just internalize things spiritually. Usually we externalize it. And anyone who would feel deeply in their soul, I have failed. So Jesus can't love me anymore will probably tell someone else. They're trying to lead spiritually. If you fail, Jesus won't love you anymore. So at the highest levels, it's important to really understand sound theology or you won't be able to lead people to have sound theology. Yeah. And it, and, and Peter needed to learn the lesson first because he'd be the guy preaching first. Yeah. So Jesus had to teach him what grace and faith and forgiveness and failure look like. So Peter could stand up like the apostle Paul would later do and say, listen to me. I'm like the worst sinner there is. But Jesus loved me. His love to me proves that he can love you too. It's not about your success or failure. It's about his love for you and then your response to him. Yeah. You know, in, in talking about Jesus and his failure, um, you, you also can continue to go on and talk about the fact that he went from a prideful leader uh, back to a humble fisherman. And in, in, in that conversation, and, and you alluded to this a little bit, but the call of Jesus, this was a pretty profound statement. The call of Jesus to Peter in John 21 reminded Peter that his walk with Jesus wasn't just about himself. In, in order for Jesus to use each of us, you know, everyone listening to this podcast to serve him, will you explain why this needs to be the posture of a true servant? This is interesting. You know, P- Peter got away from God and Jesus called to Peter wasn't, hey, just read your Bible again, wasn't just pray again. Like he said twice to Peter, follow me, follow me. Um, but he said, following me will look like this. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Part of following me is feeding others. Part of following me is caring for others. Part of following me is serving others. So I, I think, and I, I pointed this out very specifically because we've just come through a year of COVID. There's a lot of people who think following Jesus is just staying tuned in. And if you feed your soul, you're following Jesus. That is never the picture that the New Testament gives us of a Jesus follower. That like you just feed your soul. Jesus was on a mission. And he has called his people on a mission to feed and care for, take care of, and to be aware of one another. And in a year of some people feeding their souls more than they've ever fed their souls. Because not only do they watch our church online, they watch every church online. They listen to this podcast and 20 other podcasts. We've got a lot of people who are getting fat spiritually because they're feeding their soul, but they're not working out spiritually by serving and loving others. And the mission of Jesus is not listening to a message, sitting in the seats or sitting on your couch. The mission of Jesus is not listening to sermons. The mission of Jesus is not worshiping. The mission of Jesus is loving and serving and reaching other people and how we close this message. I know you're going to ask this question was like, there's, there's three invitations 
in this conversation with Peter for people who are who are going to be at our church at Easter. There's come, come to Jesus if you don't know him. There's come back to Jesus if, like Peter, you like you used to walk with him every day, and for one reason or another, you've gone fishing. And then there's like, come on, like if you are a follower of Jesus, get on mission. It's not just about knowing the material and listening to the message. Feed the lambs, take care of the sheep, feed the sheep. Lambs, by the way, feed my lambs would, lambs were young sheep, like that, that is get engaged in someone's life and help lead them spiritually, take care of my sheep. Sheep were adult, serve one another as adults spiritually, and then feed my sheep is get to a place where you can feed the adults, like where you can feed the mature. Like if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can take care of a young follower of Jesus, or you can serve other followers of Jesus, or you can grow enough to lead followers of Jesus. But the mission of Jesus is always movement regarding God and love God and others, love God and others, love God and others. This COVID year has allowed us to live in a posture of love God, love God, love God, love God, love God, stay away from others. Okay, but this season's coming to an end. And it's not going to be enough to just now go back to church. No, go back on mission. Come, come back. Come on. Like, come on. Start serving. Start serving at church. Start serving in the community. Start going on mission trips again. Come, come back. And if you've done those things, come on. Feed the lambs. Take care of the sheep. Feed the sheep. The mission of Jesus is always about God and others. And it's, and it's time when it's safe for you and the people you interact with, it's time to come on again. Because we got a world that needs the hands and feet of Jesus, not just people who know about Jesus. Pastor Christian, thanks for a really practical and uh, moving Easter message, right? You, you spoke to the person coming who, who doesn't think God or church is for them because they failed. They came with a family member, and we hope they're going to understand the restoration, the salvation that Jesus can bring. And, and like you said, so many who've been feeding from the outside, we're, you know, we're lovingly saying, come on back. And then, yeah, what a great challenge. Come on. We're, we're on mission. If you're driving by, you see the building that God's allowed us to begin to build, which will be done sometime in the next six months. And, man, there's a lot of ministry to have happen. And so, yeah, come on. Um, thank you for uh, listening to the podcast today. I want to encourage you, uh, join us next week uh, in one of our five in-person services, either at our main campus, 8, 9, 30, or 11 or at Summit Christian Academy, uh, 9.30 or 11. So five opportunities for you to come and, uh, man, either uh, come back uh, or come on and be a part of serving there. Yep, let's go. Come on, together. Let's go do it together. Yes, right. So uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today, wherever you're listening from. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, as always, we really look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith, That is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.